Let's, uh, let's read our text, and then we'll pray to, uh, to get going this morning as we speak on marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, if you'd turn there. Start at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the church, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church." Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, we thank you for the truth that it brings us. Father, we know that many of the things that your word says this world rejects. And they find it to be antiquated. But we know that your word is living and it's active and it's profitable for teaching and for doctrine, for correction and reproof, for training and righteousness so that we would be equipped for every good work. And Father, we thank you that your word has given to us a passage on marriage, that we would be equipped to have marriages that bring glory to you and that reflect your love for the church. And so, Father, as we look into your word this morning, Father, may we come with hearts ready to listen and to learn and to apply all that you show us. May your spirit be with us as I teach. May your spirit be with us as we listen. And we give you all the glory for everything that happens and everything that is said. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. I seem to have problems with my throat this morning. Two weeks ago, we jumped into our current text, which is, as we just read, a text on marriage. And, but instead of just jumping into the biblical truth of how spirit-filled wives and how spirit-filled husbands are to live, we looked first at our Savior. We looked first at the Christ-centeredness of this passage. And I thought this was important because we, before we look at how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to live within our marriages, it's important that we look at Jesus and we look at the Christ-centeredness of this. You know, we saw our Savior in a very glorious way two weeks ago. And I know, it's, it, I've told you this before, I know I left encouraged. I know sometimes you think, well, he's just preaching to us. I'm preaching to myself. And I left encouraged about our Savior and all he's done for us. And it was great to see Jesus. He loved the church. Wasn't that profound? That he loved the church? How Paul mentioned that that was past tense. And he used that for the reason that he loved the church and he proved his love for the church by dying on the cross. At the right time, Christ died for the unrighteous, for the ungodly, Romans says. 
So at a point in time that Christ, that God had ordained before the foundation of the world, he died for us at the right time. And he loved us and he proved it by dying for us. And now, how do we know that he loves us? Because he loved us at the cross. The cross is the central point of all that Christ has done. The cross, the resurrection. That's our victory. That's our life in Christ. That is the center of us in our walk with God. He loved and he gave. You see, Jesus gave his life. He gave himself for us. He gave himself. He humbled himself. And he became the example of humility. And now in Jesus Christ, we see the perfect picture of a servant, a humble but mighty servant. We saw in our text that Jesus loved. We see in our text that he gave himself. We see that he's our sanctifier. He made us clean. He set us apart. Jesus cleansed us by the washing of the water with the word. We who were dirty and sinful have been made clean and spotless by Jesus Christ. Why? Why did Jesus make us clean? Because then he presents us to himself. We stand alongside as a bride. He presents the church to himself. He's like the husband who says, look at my bride. Look at this beautiful bride. And he did this through the cross. He's saying, see the beauty? There's not even a wrinkle or a blemish. He says, I have a bride that's holy and blameless. There's no shame. This is what Jesus did. And now our text also says that we're nourished and cherished by Jesus Christ. He nourishes, he takes care of us, and he cherishes us. You have something that you cherish? When you cherish something, that's a little bit above and beyond you like something, isn't it? Something that is cherished is protected. It has value. We would call it priceless. We would say, who could put a cost on our family photos through the years, right? We cherish those things because they capture the love of your family together. There are things that we cherish. Christ cherishes us. Don't lose that ever. Don't ever forget that. And so do you see the beautiful picture of how much Jesus Christ loves us? We are really, really loved. And he proved his love for us by dying for us. Jesus Christ, the perfect and the holy son of God, came to earth and he died for us. He died for our sins. You know, we sing this so often, we say it so often. I sometimes worry that for myself, it almost becomes a simple statement that's absent of amazement and gratitude because we say it so often. But it is amazing grace, isn't it? We should be amazed and full of thankfulness that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Now I want you to keep Christ at the center of everything that we now teach when we come to husbands and wives. Because Christ is the center of a marriage that brings glory to him. And we're going to see that in the text. 
But we spent a week looking first at Jesus Christ. Why? Because our marriages are a picture of Jesus Christ and his love for the church. We are a walking, living, breathing illustration of Christ's love for the church. The amazing love that our Savior has for us is shown by the amazing love that we need to have for our spouses. So let's look at spirit-filled wives and husbands. By the way, when we talk about marriage, volumes and volumes have been written on this passage and other passages in Scripture. We could indeed write a pretty nice book when it comes to marriage, and many have done that. Uh, if you're looking for recommendations, see us after. I know Tim Keller wrote a fantastic book on marriage. There's, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, those of you who are going through, you know, going to be married one day, Before You Say I Do is a great book. There's so many, plenty out there. Um, but uh, today, we're just going to focus in on the main points of our text with this in mind. And this is what we need to keep in mind. We need Christ to be the center of our marriages. We need to have marriages that are filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. First, let's start with, talk with wives. Let's see what the text says. You see, in our passage, Paul begins with the wives, and let's read verses 22 through 24. And then I want to jump down to the end of our passage and read verse, 20, uh, verse 33. So verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Jump down to verse 33. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The first command given to wives is this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Submission. If we're honest, I think that we as a culture have a difficult time with this word. As a culture, men and women, all of us struggle with submission. Yet go back to verse 21 and what did we see? We saw this. We are to be filled with the Spirit by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Male, female, boy or girl, the Christian life is about submission for all of us. Submit to one another. Give preference to others before yourself. Others come first in the Christian life. This is all of us. The Christian life, say it again, the Christian life is about submission. Now Paul says this right after that command to submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now husbands, we're going to get to you in a moment. We'll get to your role. But remember this. Wives, you're called to submit to a husband who is willing to die for you. None of us are perfect in this, and I surely fall short in what I'm about, about to say, but husbands, 
Be the first to apologize. Be the leader of forgiveness and grace. Be the leader who serves. Wives then are called to submit to a husband who is to be an example of Jesus to his bride. You see, the world wants to declare the submissive wife as negative. But remember why we looked at Jesus first. Wives are called to follow their husband's loving leadership. And I want to strongly say that again. Loving leadership. This is a picture of the husband and wife having equal value. Yet having different roles in marriage. An example I read about this, about this week, was, which I liked, was this. Dancing. A couple dancing. One leads, one follows. Now, those of you who know me say, Ron, give it an illustration about dancing. With a partner and doing like ballroom dancing, that's a joke because he can't dance. Now, I'm pretty good at like wedding ceremony dances, you know, like when good music's playing and I can, I can, I won't do that, but I can do the sprinkler, you know, those kind of things. That's fine. But like the day, I, I don't know really how to dance. I'm not very coordinated that way. But I've seen good dancing. There's one leading and one following. When someone's doing a dance on Dancing with the Stars, what would happen if two people were leading? How would that look? It'd be a clash. There'd be no beauty. There's an initiator or a leader, and then there's the other who responds to the lead of the lead dancer. For a dance to look good, for a dance to look beautiful, both must fulfill their roles in this dance. Here's the other thing about submission. And the world, again, does want to declare this as negative. But this is even more important. God is perfect and God is wise. Following God's instruction brings blessing. God is good. His instructions, therefore, are good. Therefore, are blessing. Therefore, are benefit. Following God's word, it brings the best for our lives. That's, that's what faith is, right? We read the scriptures, we see what God says, and we say, Lord, I'll obey. This is your best. Even when we don't necessarily understand it or the word go, world goes against it. God's word is the best for our lives. When you fight God's word, it brings pain. It brings misery. God's plan since creation, and we see this in our text, has been the role of headship or leadership of the husband. Please understand that God does not have an agenda against women. Far from it. We don't have time today, but all you have to do is go to the Gospels and see how Jesus Christ elevated women. Jesus Christ ignored the culture. He ignored the sinful lowering of women at that time. And he lovingly engaged them in, in, in uh, discussion and dialogue regarding spiritual life. It was scandalous that Jesus talked to the woman at the well. Jesus elevated women. Men and women are equal. God has given us different roles. So we see in our text this, submission, and then we saw in verse 33, respect. So what is biblical submission and respect? 
that a wife, what is this that a wife is to have for her husband? Let's take respect first because it's kind of a little, little simpler. But it's interesting. The word here for respect actually really means fear. Now, it's not the fear that means terror or being frightened and shaking. It's awe. When I found that out, I thought that's interesting. Why? Why would Paul use this term? I don't know. I'm not sure anyone really knows for sure. It's been discussed for ages upon ages. But I do know this. It should bring awe and fear and respect that the husband will give an account to God for his leadership within the family. It is a high calling that we're about to see. And they will give an account. In the same way, now this one really kind of does bring terror, if I'm being honest. It says in Hebrews, elders are the ones who will give an account for the church. They may say that the word there is awe and an awe and a fear. I think terror is appropriate. You think I'm joking? I'm not. It's a heavy thing. So wives, respect your husband because of the job that he has as leader of your families. Romans 14 says this. 14.12 says that each of us will give an account of himself to God. And really on a practical level, we don't have time to get into, you know, men crave respect. Let's just get it out. Men crave respect. They really do. It's, it's built in. But on a practical level within a family, the husband needs the respect of the wife. Men strongly desire respect. Wives, respect your husbands and the responsibility that he has been given to be a loving leader. It's a difficult job. Husbands will get to you in a moment. I keep saying that, but I just want you to know that it's coming. And then let's look at submission. This is a word that creates a lot of discussion and sometimes even emotion. In our vows, when Karen and I got married, Karen stated that she would submit to me. Now, she can confirm this, but I'm 95% sure that someone in our ceremony who was witnessing our marriage gasped when she says, I will submit to you. There was an audible, what? They couldn't hold it. They couldn't hold it within. Submission is not popular. But this term is consistent in the scriptures when marriage is discussed and written about. When the writers of the scripture gave instructions on marriage, it's consistent. Submission is there. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husbands. Peter wrote it, lest you think it's just Paul. 1 Peter 3.1, we read it this morning. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. But first notice this, and this is very important. Wives, submit to your own husband. It does not say, nor should you submit to every man. Can I just say that again? It does not say submit to every man. It says submit to your own husband. The husband is the head of the wife. He is not the head of all women. 
Secondly, remember this. It's a voluntary submission. This is a happy relationship that Paul is writing about. Christian wives happily, freely, and lovingly follow the loving leadership of her faithful husbands. Husbands, you are not, nor should you ever be, a tyrant. That is unbiblical. You see, movies, TV, our sinful thoughts, our own sinfulness, brings an improper picture of what really should be beautiful. Again, Christ-centered, spirit-filled marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. So biblical submission in marriage is not slavery. It's not subservience or a top-down military-style chain of command. It is not where subjects obey without question. This is not the man sitting on the couch watching TV and yelling for his chicken pot pie. Women are called to submit and men are called to love. But think about this. Again, women are called to submit, men are called to love. But what does it mean to submit? It is love. It's another aspect of love. Submission is giving up oneself to another. What does it mean to love? It means to give oneself up for another. Guess what? It's the same. Submission and love. They're hand in hand. There's just different aspects. And in the role, the husband is the leader. But don't you see this team working together like a beautiful dance? Christ in the church, this picture of love, this is our picture. And when we submit to what biblically is written, it's a beautiful thing. And again, it's not this tyrant. Husbands, if you're a tyrant, shame on you. It's awful. You are not showing what Christ is to us. Ever you, have you ever felt abused, scorned, ridiculed by Jesus Christ? We just saw how he tenderly cares for his church. Husbands, tenderly love your wife. If love is to give oneself up for another, Jesus said this, greater love hath no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Submission is laying down your life, saying, you're first. Love is doing the same thing. The motive of a wife who respects and submits and loves her husband is this. It's a love for Jesus Christ. What motivates a godly a godly wife, a love for Jesus Christ. Paul says this, as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It's worship. You're worshiping Christ when you obey his word. Your obedience is as to the Lord. This is where blessing comes. This is where spiritual growth and maturity take hold. A love for Christ brings these things about. A wife who desires to be conformed to the image of Christ and is motivated by a love for Christ will fulfill the calling God has given her towards her husband by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within her. 
It's a wonderful thing. And I want to say this too, and I hope this isn't too controversial. And if you want to come talk to me afterwards, that's fine. But we can, yeah, I'm just going to say it. Traditional marriage, as defined by Americans, is not necessarily biblical marriage. I want you to think about that. As a couple, you should submit to Christ. Wives, submit to your husband. Husband, lovingly lead. Together, pray, prayerfully apply this pattern to your lives and the situations that you are in. If you're looking for examples on this, we don't really have a lot of time. I got to move on. See me after. But again, traditional marriage is not necessarily biblical marriage. But do you see this picture? Do you see what Paul is writing here? Paul shows us that marriage is a picture of Christ's love for the church. Let's look at verses 23 through 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Marriage displays the gospel. Later, Paul says this, that this picture is profound. It's awesome. Wives, you give a picture of the church to the world. Husbands, you give a picture of Christ to the world. Our marriage is a witness. And we saw last week the leadership of Christ. Lover, giver, sanctifier, cleanser, presenter, and provider. We saw that. And so now husbands... Be spirit-filled husbands. How? Love sacrificially. And husbands, I hope you're ready. I, I must admit, I think I am always tougher on guys on this. Uh, someone once said, Ron, do you, you know, you have three daughters. Do you wish you had a son? I think if I had a son, I would pity the boy. Because I'd be really, really tough on him. I think it's for my own sanctification uh, and my own protection that uh, I've been so blessed with daughters. Boys scare me, frankly. Um, and I think, I'd, I think I'd beat on them a little bit. Not physically. Don't take it wrong. Just, you know, I, I'd be hard on them. But husbands, buckle in. Love sacrificially. Christ-like love is a love that gives up everything it's a love that dies. Christ-like Christ -like love takes a scourging. Christ-like love takes nails in hands and feet. Christ-like love prays in agony for those who he loves. Christ-like love wears a crown of thorns. Christ-like love serves. It washes dirty, stinky feet. Christ was authority displayed in humility and love. Scriptures say this, Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Men, when you said I do, and you may not even knew it or known it when you did it, but when you said I do, it was a commitment to come and die, to die to yourself and love your wife. We must be men who 
who sacrifice schedules and ambitions. Men, we must die to self. We must be faithful to our brides. Guys, we have to crucify our flesh and sinful desires and kill the sins and flee the temptations of lust, anger, pride, and power. Men, be a man and stand up and respect women. Respect your wife. The disrespect that has flown, oh, I didn't want to go here. But the disrespect for women that has come from powerful, powerful people is sickening. And the church must stand against that. Am I angry about it? Yeah. Hopefully I'm not falling into the area of be angry and yet do not sin. But it makes me sick to see how sin is glossed over when it comes to sin against women. Honor your marriage and honor the marriages of others. They are sacred. Men, you do not need close, intimate friendships with other women. Stop it. Be appropriate. Now, this does not mean that we are unfriendly towards other women. Far from it. Be appropriate. It means when we love our wives, we keep all our intimacy with them alone, not just physical. Your dreams, your hopes, your fears, your desires belong to your wife alone. Faithfulness to your spouse in all things. Now, wives, this is the same for you. It is not just physical intimacy that needs to remain faithful. First Timothy calls for the elder to be a one-woman man. Men, your best friend is your wife. Then you have your brothers. If you want to call them your bros, I'm okay with that too. But you don't have brothers, and then that special friendship with another woman. That special friendship is a road to ruin and destruction. Don't give anything that belongs to your spouse to another. It will ruin your life. It will ruin your marriage. And you are muddying up the waters of Christ's love in the church, the picture that you are to give to the world. Men, Christ sanctified and washed and cleansed his, his church, his bride. Men, all of us, love your bride in such a way that will help her grow in Christ-likeness. Is your wife more Christ-like because she's married to you or in spite of you? Men, maybe you're a baby Christian and your wife may know more when it comes to scriptures. Maybe she's been saved a whole lot longer. Maybe there's more spiritual maturity. When you say, well, what should I do? I don't feel like I can lead. Here's what you need to do. Catch up. Be a man and catch up. Make it a challenge. Whatever motivates you, do what it takes to be motivated to catch up. She may know more about theology and the Christian life 
So now, be a leader anyways and initiate spiritual conversation. Care for her soul. Talk about spiritual things. Karen has spiritual insight, and I value it. I learn from Karen. And I'm thankful for that. Men, serve Christ's church alongside your wife. Find a way to minister together. Go to small group together and start learning together. As a couple, meet other couples, meet other people who you then grow together. But men, this is your job. Serve together and grow together. Shepherd and lead. Men, get your family to church. Tell your children, this is important. When someone says, I'm tired, get them there. Now, do we know that there are days that it just isn't going to work? We're not keeping track. Frankly, I got two kids missing today. So don't, you know, hey, I understand. But the pattern of our lives must be men. We get our family to church because it's the bride of Christ and we worship and we learn together. Men, husbands, care for your wife as you would care for yourself. You see, Paul reminds us that we are one flesh. And in the garden, God made a pronouncement. Men, we are one. What do you wish for? Intimacy, joy, peace, peace, health, stability, intimate friendship, a sense of belonging. What you wish for, what you wish for, Provide them for your wife. Provide those things for her. Treat her as a treasure. Nourish, treasure, cherish your bride. Admire and compliment. Men, all of us, man, am I preaching to myself and I kind of can't wait to get home. Really? You said that? I'm going to hold you to it. I know that's going to happen. Hey, I'll admit, I struggle. I'm sometimes very slow to compliment. I admit it. Guys, I, I'm a mess saved by the grace of God. When I preach these things, man, am I preaching to myself and oh, I'm feeling the weight of this sermon. If you can't tell, I seem to be stumbling over my words. This is hard. Like, can't we skip this? This is too convicting. No, we can't skip it. It's too important. Marriage is under attack. So we need to care for our wives as we would care for ourselves. I do a really, really good job caring for myself. I'm an expert at it. I mean, if you want tips on how to care for yourself, just come see me. I'll set you up. Guys, care for your wives in the same way. That's what Paul is saying. Nourish, cherish, admire, compliment she comes first her needs are first you're second always second why Christ really became second didn't he he emptied himself we saw that text last week in Philippians he died for us Christ died for us. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. 
application. <laughs> I'll say this. I think there was plenty of application in, in the message this morning. But allow the Holy Spirit to work within you today and this week and in the weeks to come. Don't ignore this passage. Pray on what God is calling you to do to be obedient to him in your marriage. I want to close with something I read this week. Again, Christ is the center of our marriage, and we've only scratched the surface on this. But Charles Spurgeon said this, This love of Christ is the most amazing thing under heaven, if not heaven itself. How often have I said to you that if I had heard that Christ pitied us, I could understand it. If I had heard that Christ had mercy upon us, I could comprehend it. But when it is written that he actually loves us, that is quite another and much more extraordinary thing. Love between mortal and mortal is quite natural and comprehensible, but love between the infinite God and us poor, sinful, finite creatures, though conceivable in one sense, is utterly inconceivable in another. Who can grasp such an idea? Who can fully understand it, especially when it comes in this form? He loved me. Christ loved me and gave himself up for me. This is the miracle of miracles. Friends, love Jesus. Meditate on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Learn more and more of Jesus as you obediently live out a spirit-filled marriage. Christ is the center. Christ is the motivation. This works. Wives submit. Husbands, give your wives a husband worthy of submitting to. It is a high calling, but it is a picture of Christ in the church. I want to say one, one more thing. Just kind of off the kind of just came to me. So this is always scary. Fight for your marriage. Battle for it. It's not easy. Why? We war against the flesh. Why is it so important to be spirit-filled? Walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. But when we look at this, why is this so important that we fight? How much does Christ love us? How much does Christ love his church? Is there anything that will break that apart, that relationship, that will separate it? Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor any other, I skipped a bunch, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8. Fight for your marriage and do not allow anything to drive a wedge that will separate the relationship that God has called for you to have. People who are single. Love Christ. And you'll be preparing yourself for marriage more than you could ever imagine. Become obedient to his word now. Fight sin now. And prepare yourself to be the wife that you are called to be. Men, prepare yourselves if you're single to be the husband you are to be. I wish we had time to talk about singleness. It's a gift. 
It's a wonderful thing. It's not to be looked down upon. Paul in 1 Corinthians gives awesome instruction for the single. All of this is a wonderful thing. Wherever you are at, wherever God has called you, the key to your life is obedience to Christ. That's why we're in Ephesians. He has done so much for us. Now we practically apply it in how we live a grace-filled, spirit-filled life. And our marriages must be Christ-centered as all our lives should be Christ-centered. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we love your word. We thank you for its instruction. We thank you for what it says. We thank you for the blessing that you give us when we are obedient to you. We thank you that this works, that this brings blessing. Father, we would pray for our marriages. Father, we would pray that our marriages would be a shining example of our salvation, of your love that you have for us. Father, I pray for those of us with children that our marriages would be a strong foundation that our children will build upon as you bring to them the spouses that you have ordained for them to have. Father, may we be people who continually disciple one another. That we grow together in Christ. Father, we thank you that you've blessed us with everything we need, that you've taken us from death to life, that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, Father, you have given us everything we need by giving us your Holy Spirit to have a marriage life that is pleasing to you. So, Father, we submit to you and we submit to your word and your instruction and we trust in your word and what you said and we know it is good because you are good. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I know myself there's conviction. Father, may, may those of us who feel that way not push it aside. But Father, may we go to your word. May you cleanse us. May you prune us. May you shape us and refine us into be the men and women that you called for us to be. Oh, and then Father, as we are a light to the world, Father, we would ask that you would bring people to yourself through our lives. Father, there are so many who are lost and confused. We have the truth. Enable us to share, both with our words and with our actions, that you have saved us and you offer grace and life to all who will believe. Thank you for this morning, Father. Thank you for the time of worship, the time of being together. Lord, you are so good to us. Be with us this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.